0: Welcome to a Word of Grace, a local assembly in the Berkshires. Thank you for joining us for this time in the Word. In John chapter 1, there's the whole scene here, and I just want to get right into it, where John the Baptist was in the midst of fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah 40 verse 3. He was preparing the way in the wilderness. He was as a voice preparing the way in the the wilderness for Christ to come. And then we see in John 1, verse 29, it says, The next day John saw Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away... The sin of the world. And really it says the Lamb of God which bears away. He bears it on him and away. The sin of the world. And then he said in verse 30, This is he of whom I I said, After me comes a man which is preferred before me for he was before me. And notice what he said. It says he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but that he sent me to baptize with water. The same said unto me, Unto whom you will see the Spirit descending and remaining on him. The same is he which baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. And that's something that God would have us to do every single moment Every single moment that that we can is to behold the Lamb of God. Now when we read what John said in John 1 verse 30 where he said that there's a man that, that would come. He's preferred before me, he said, for he was before me. And what he's referring to here is again what Isaiah was referring to. The Holy Spirit through Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah, the sixth chapter, in verses one and two. He so, he said, I, Beheld, and he that sat upon the throne. And that picture of that he was looking at, and that God, God gave him in a vision, as he turned back, he pulled back the curtain of time so that he could peer into eternity. And then he would say, again in Isaiah the 6th chapter in verse 1, it says, in the year that King Isaiah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. That is a picture of Jesus Christ in his pre-incarnate state. He is saying, this is the one that was preferred before me, He takes preference before me because he was before me. He was before me. And Isaiah saw him and he was sitting high and lifted up upon a throne. That's the voice of God right in the garden, right in the midst of the failure of Adam and Eve. In Genesis 3 verse 8, it said they heard the voice of God walking in. In the garden. That one. Again was Jesus Christ. In his pre-incarnate state. And then we see in John 1. Verse 1. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. And then in verse 14. It says and the word. The very son of God. Was made flesh. And this is quite something. To understand too. When we have what God has for us. He is the Word. In other words, He's the only begotten Son in virtue of His deity. And then when it says He was made flesh, He is the first begotten. He's the only begotten Son in virtue of His deity. But He's the first begotten in virtue of His humanity. He's the head of a race a whole people, a whole group of people that would be in him a brand new creation and out of that new creation would come a brand new creature in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. But when he said, and what he said here in, in one twenty-nine of John, when he saw Jesus coming unto him, all he could do was cry out And the original brings it out. He cried it out in a very loud voice. Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. And what he was saying is this and what was revealed to him as Jesus was coming toward him was that here is the object of all prophetic testimony and the fulfillment of all the types of the law. Here's the one that is, that will deal with the sin problem. Here's the one that will deal with the sins of the individual as is brought out in Leviticus 16 verses 5 through 22 where it talks about the two goats and what it means. Again, he was crying out, here he is in Hebrews 9, 26 to 28, the one who would deal with the sin problem And all the sins. And he would propitiate the father. The sin problem as a whole. In terms of the glory of God. He would deal with it. And then as the substitute. And means of being reconciled to God. Personal sins. Through him. Would be dealt with. So when we read John 1 verse 29. It refers to the great propitiatory work of Christ a work that is in virtue of which every trace of sin will yet be obliterated from the wide creation of God and we will only see the full application of this when Peter talks about it I, I wait and I see a new heavens and a new earth in Second Peter 3 verse 13 He's the Lamb His person and work and ways. Everything about Him. His going above. His giving and sending the Holy Spirit to be with. And in those that were His forever. Here in these verses that we've read. He is here declared the giver of eternal life to the believer. Who is accordingly entitled in virtue of this new life, to become a child of God. And that's what he was saying. Jesus came into the world, the one that was high and lifted up, stooped very low. And we talk about the kenosis chapter in Philippians 2, 5 through 11, where he became, he put on humanity. He put on humanity to identify with us in Hebrews 2, 9, through 18, to identify with every single one of us we've said recently too that when Jesus Christ became a man he did away with all distance between us and God all distance was done away with in John 1 verse 10 he came into the world he entered into the world and the world didn't know him yet he was the one in human form That Isaiah saw he was high and lifted up. He was the creator of everything in John 1 verse 3 and in Colossians 1 verse 16. But here he is in his humanity. He was to be made sin for us. God in 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him the sin sacrifice for us who knew no sin that we might be made The righteousness of God in him. So this goes into vicarious reconciliation. What is vicarious reconciliation? It's the suffering of one for the sin of another. And here is the one effectual, never to be repeated, sacrifice of eternal value the sin of the whole world, the sin of the whole cosmos, there has been effected a work of such magnitude, the word of God brings out, that the settlement abides for all eternity. In other words, God has settled every single thing about us for all eternity. Just think of it. He tabernacled and came here. To them and them only. John one eleven he came unto his own, the nation of Israel, and his own rejected him. But, in verse 12, as many as would receive him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that would believe on his name. He came and gave them power, who? Us. Every single one that would receive him. To them and them only. He gave them exousion, the Greek says, the authority. He gave us authority, but it includes power. A power that is dunamis, it's dynamic, it's dynamite. He gave us the power, the right, the privilege to become the sons of God. And what a beautiful thing this is the one who was walking in the garden in his pre-incarnate state to meet Adam and Eve in the midst of their failure. He'll take an innocent victim. Blood is shed. Their fig leaves, which spoke of their work and their striving and their performance are taken away and they are covered with the skins of the animal. And this would be a picture. Christ was teaching them in his pre-incarnate state That 4,000 years into the future I'm going to put on humanity and I will be the the seed of the woman in Genesis 3.15 that will crush the head of the serpent. Yes, he'll bruise my humanity in physical death but in death I will gain the victory. The victory for every single one that I would give the power to become the sons of God. And so he's the lamb We said too again recently, he did not come to be a lamb slain. He came as a lamb already slain in the eternal mind of God. In other words, there was never a time that God the Father ever knew his son outside of the beautiful fact that he is the lamb. And that lamb would one day deal with it all, would come and put on humanity. Can you imagine, can I imagine God becoming a man and when he became a man, he became a man forever one that would identify with us and then we go all the way to the fifth chapter where we are transported into heaven. We're back in heaven now. In chapter 5 of Revelations. And it says. And I saw in in the right hand of him. That sat on the throne. A book written within. And on the backside Sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel. Proclaiming with a loud voice. Who is worthy to open the book. And to loose the seals thereof. And no man in heaven. Nor in the earth. Neither under the earth. Was able to open the book. Neither to even look at it to look thereon and and John the beloved apostle says and i wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book neither to look thereon and one of the elders said unto me weep not behold the lion of the tribe of judah yes he's the all prevailing lion he's the lion that prevails and the lion that prevails is for us the lamb that was slain he's the root of David and he's the one that prevailed to open the book and to loose the seals thereof and I beheld and lo in the midst of the throne and of the four creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb As it had been slain. The original says it's as he's just been freshly slain. And for all eternity when we see him. And when we're with him in heaven. He will always appear as a lamb. That was just freshly slain. And he had seven horns. The fullness of power. Seven eyes. The fullness of beautiful illumination and wisdom. Which are the seven spirits of God sent forth. Into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four creatures and, and twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb. Fell down before the land. Having every one of them harps and golden vials Of odors or incense which are the prayers of the saints and they sang a new song saying you are worthy that's the song the eternal song of the lamb he's worthy he's a lamb he was a lamb in terms of his innocence he is a lamb, and he is a lamb in terms of his meekness. He's a lamb to us in terms, in terms of his gentleness and in terms of his sacrifice. And then we see in 5-6 of Revelations that his marks are the signature of the end forever of our failures. That, that's what that, those marks are. And we will see them still we will see Him and we will see Him and the Lamb is in the midst of the throne. He's co-equal with the Lord God Almighty as the object of worship. The place of glory that that Lamb is in is as complete as it possibly could be. It is the place of perfect light. That's the Lamb. The believer can go Right up to the throne of God. We see that in Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. We see it in Jeremiah 17, verse 12. Right up to their throne. They can go right up there. Right up there. Why? Because the Lamb of God is in it. He prevailed. And in Him we all prevail. Because of Him. And so John sees Jesus with the wound marks in his hands and in his feet. And he's the only man in all of, it, of that eternal glory who will bear any trace of the sorrows of time. None of us will have a mark on us. He'll wipe away every tear in Revelation seven seventeen and 21, verse 4. There will be not a trace of the suffering of time on us. Because we will see the Lamb with His marks where all of our sorrows were dealt with. And there will be beautiful marks. They're the marks that marked us out as His. And of course then we can see that their song is their testimony. Just think of how many we know that are there. And they're singing the song, the eternal song. It's their testimony that causes them to cry out, to sing out. It's their witness. Their testimony is their song. It's their song. It's their testimony. And their testimony is the Lamb. And He is their all. He's their all. He's the new song is the song of the Lamb and of course then he's the only one worthy of being praised he's the only one worthy of being revered and adored his goodness is never sufficiently celebrated here but it sure will be there the song of the blessed praise none but him who redeemed them with his blood, is worthy. That's why Paul would say, I commend you to God. In Acts 20, verse 32, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you inheritance among all those that are sanctified. And it doesn't contain. Here we hear no one else Receiving any praise. It doesn't contain one single word of praise for any of their own number. Think of it. Millions and millions and millions. And there's only one that will be praised. Not a word that classes any of them into an eminent place. Not a one. All distinctions are lost in the common title the redeemed. The redeemed. Which is the happiness and glory of their whole body. The whole body is one. He's the Lamb. He's the precious Lamb. He's the Lamb of God. The one that was despised. The one that they nailed to a cross is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings we see it again all through the Word of God he's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords he's a lamb and he's not only a lamb but one that has been slain he's one who has been dead yet lives and is in the midst of the throne and of the four living beings And we said, it, and there he is in the midst of the elders. What is it a picture of? He's the center of all. He's the center of all creation. He's the center. He's the lamb. He's the precious lamb. The one that had been belittled. The one that had been rejected. The one where the psalmist said all the reproaches that they reproached you have fallen on me. In Psalm 69 verse 9. In Psalm 69 verse 4 they hated me without a cause. But he's the lamb. He's the precious lamb of God. One that was rejected by men. And although here with all power as his is how we see Him. He's there. He is the Lamb. He's our Lamb. He's our testimony. We're going to bear witness. We're going to get our place in the Heavenly Choir and we'll all sing the song of the Lamb. So Father, we thank You and praise You in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening in. We hope you were blessed and God was glorified. Feel free to go to our website at awordofgrace.org for daily posts and teachings.